You are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Journey Church Tampa. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope you enjoy it. Let's go ahead and jump into our scripture. We're actually finishing up Hannah's prayer. We've been in this for a few weeks. And so um, you can look on the screen or in your Bible. It's going to be 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. We're going to be focusing on the last few lines here. So uh, follow along with me. It says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hired themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants. But the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So um, we're going to be focusing on the last little portion here, um, but I want to give you a little bit of context just to kind of give you an idea of where we're at in this, this prayer, what, where this prayer is stemming from. And so we see Hannah, this is being prayed by Hannah. She was one of two wives to Elkanah. Um, she was barren. We, if you read in First Samuel, Samuel 1, she was barren, um, and Peninnah was the other wife. She had kids. Um, as Pastor Val talked last week, at this time in this culture, a woman's worth was, was really based on their ability to have sons. And so uh, you could see that Hannah, in this instance, had no worth according to culture. Um, Hannah was tormented constantly by Peninnah. She was bullied by her. Um, Hannah then cries out to the Lord. She cries in anguish, and she says, Lord, give me a son. Give me a child, and I will, I will dedicate him to you. And so the Lord gives her a son, Samuel. And this, uh, this prayer happens right after she has given Samuel away. And so I, I don't know, but for me to think about the, the, the struggle of being barren, not being able to have kids, to pray out, to then finally conceive and, and then have to turn that kid away, I couldn't imagine what Hannah was going through. Um, but we, we see a lot, and, and Cheryl mentioned this in her reading this morning, this, this uh, story, 1 Samuel, actually follows a similar theme. It's, it's a lot of the, the God's opposition to the proud, the boastful, and his exalting the humble. Um, so you could see it if you look a little bit further on. You've got Hannah. Um, you, you'll see the, the Israelites and the Philistines and then the rise of King David. Um, these are all just constant examples of this. Um, but again, we're going to be focusing on the end of this prayer, and I have a question for you. 
Um, has anyone here ever had a real genuine moment in their lives, just a real genuine teaching opportunity where maybe they hit rock bottom or maybe you had someone that you loved, admired, someone that you looked up to that was trying to point you in one direction and you decide to keep going your own direction and you realize you were wrong? Has anyone ever here, here ever had one of those moments? I've had plenty of those, but, um, you know, I, I think to a story back after I had just left college. Um, and just to kind of give you a little bit of background, I did not do well in college. I did not, like, really, <laughs> I wasn't smart about how I spent my money. I got way in over my head with this car that I had bought. It was way too expensive. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to go spend money in certain places. And the whole time, my dad was like, son, I really don't think you should do that. I think you should be wise about your finances. I think you should be more careful about what you're doing, what you're spending your money on. I don't think you should do this. I think you should do that. It took a moment about maybe a year or two later where I I realized that my dad was right. Um, I had gotten to the point where I couldn't really afford this car. I had my job, my, my commissions got cut. And so I was at a point where I had kind of reached that rock bottom. I was broke. And um, it really was a, a humbling moment where I had to go to my dad and just say, Dad, you were right. I'm sorry for being so stubborn. I'm sorry for being so stupid. And my dad just so lovingly was like, son, like, it's okay. Like, I love you. I care for you. And, you know, I, in that moment, I, I realized that my dad was never doing anything to, to make me, like, not have fun or to make me, you know, miss out on things. But he was loving me and he was caring for me well. And I, I was just so, so blind to see that because I thought my way was better. I thought my intentions were better. And so from that moment on, I, I, I had this, this, even though my dad had never given me any reason to doubt his love for me. My dad is a solid man. Never had any reason to doubt his love for me, his intention for me, or anything like that. But it took that moment in my life to really see that my father loved me, that he cared for me, and that he had my best interest in mind. It only took about 24 years, but we won't go into that. Um, But I love this quote by John Maxwell. It says, the greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. That's the day we truly grow up. I'm nowhere near that. I'm nowhere near the point where I'm truly grown up. But that was one of those moments that kind of got me there, that kind of propelled me forward. And as great as my earthly father is, I know that I have a father in heaven who loves me much more deeply, who cares about me much deeper than my dad ever could. That regardless of what I do, my, my heavenly father, my dad, he loves and cares for me deeply. His intentions for me are good. Whether they may not align with what I feel, you know, that's another story. Um, but today we're gonna talk a little bit about the sovereignty of God. And simply put, the sovereign, when we talk about God being sovereign, is that God is the authority and all things are under his control. We could realistically speak about the sovereignty of God for months and months and months um, and barely start to scratch the surface, but I'm going to try to do the best I can over the next maybe 15 minutes. Um, And so uh, when I look at Hannah's prayer, the reason I share that story about my dad is I look at someone who has experienced firsthand the sovereignty of God in her life. That when she is praying this prayer, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start back over, and she's saying things that are, are bold. This whole prayer is really um, pointing to the sovereignty and the goodness and the will of the Father. She said, my heart rejoiced in the Lord, and my Lord, in the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for my, 
for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There was no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. These are bold truths that she is speaking. Um, But let's look back at what just happened. She was barren. She couldn't have kids. She cried out to the Lord, and what did the Lord do? He gave her a child. This wouldn't have happened in her own strength. It was only by the Lord's will, the Lord's sovereign grace, that she was able to conceive a child. And so we, we see that she has a strong conviction over the sovereignty of God. And she rests in that. And she understands the power and the will of her God. And what's beautiful is you know, the, the, the end of this prayer that we're, we're kind of leaning into this, this morning um, is her really kind of prophesying. Okay, so the beginning of the prayer is, is she's, she's declaring what God has done. In the middle of it is she's declaring what God's doing. And at the end here, you kind of see her prophesying. And so, um, you know, then she, she you know, had gave birth to Samuel. That, that man would end up being the one who helps uh, um, the Israel in the process of anointing King David. So through her, her son would, would be the one that helps appoint David as the king of Israel. Um, and then many years later, you see a, a similar story with a young Israelite woman named Mary um, who's going to give birth to a man named Jesus, a boy named Jesus. And she's going to fulfill the prophecy at the end of her prayer here. And then that, that very son, I mean, that, that is the, the reason we are here this morning. That is the reason we have hope we are able to celebrate because we saw the fulfillment of that prophecy. And so God has had his sovereign hand over all of this. And the reason I said we can rejoice in the fact that, you know, there is hope going forward is because we know that his plan isn't complete. So my question for you this morning, when we talk about sovereignty, when we talk about that, we oftentimes associate it with a king, right? My question this morning is, why do we struggle to rest in his sovereignty? Why do we struggle in allowing him access to the throne of our lives. And so there's a couple different reasons that I was able to kind of pick out. Um, there's many on this list, but um, you know, we're only gonna focus on a couple today. But the first one is we uh, too often focus on our own plans. I'm gonna pay homage to uh, Pastor Pete today and read a verse out of the message. It's Proverbs 16, one and two. It says, mortals make elaborate plans, but God has the last word. Humans are satisfied with whatever looks good. God probes for what is good. I love that. I know far too often in in my life, just like the story with my dad, I have prayed or had a certain mindset of what was going to happen, what things were going to look like, what things should look like. And you know, after praying it, God answers the prayer in a completely different way, a way that I couldn't have imagined it. Or maybe he didn't answer it at all because what I was praying for was not what he wanted for me. Um, and so I can, I can be happy in that. I can be glad in that. And so a lot of times we, we think about, you know, that he didn't answer my prayer. Well, he may have in a completely different way. There's a reason that maybe a prayer wasn't answered. Uh, maybe a door was shut in your life. And so um, we, we oftentimes just, just have our own plan, our own idea. And so I want to look at a beautiful example, Jesus. Um, Luke twenty two forty two. this is um, right before Jesus is about to get beaten and crucified. He goes to the Father in prayer and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not in my will, but yours be done. What a powerful prayer. That he was submitted to the Father's will. It wasn't about Jesus's, you know, 
hey, like, can you take this cup for me? He said, whatever your will is, let that be done. I was watching the movie 1917 recently. And for those of you that haven't seen it, just kind of brief synopsis. This is a story of two British soldiers who are given a command during World War I um, to go and deliver a message to another troop um, that's about six miles away. They, didn't, they weren't able to send you know, messages through email or whatever, so they had to go hand deliver this message. Um, and so they had to go, and, and as they're giving them this message, the, the general is saying, hey, listen, um, you know, they, are, they think they've got the Germans on the run, but they're walking into a trap. And so these are direct orders, go take this to them. And I, I love the guy's response to him. He says, but, uh, he, and he, the, the guy says, make sure there are witnesses around when you deliver this message. And he says, but sir, they're direct orders. And I loved his response. He says, I know, but some men just want the fight. How often in our lives do we just completely fight what the Lord has for us? How often do we completely just fight back against, you know, what he would want for us, what his sovereign will would be um, because we have our own plans, our own vision in mind, or maybe we just simply want the fight. The second reason maybe we struggle to rest in his sovereignty is we just simply don't want to give over the throne. We are just simply unwilling to allow God to take his rightful place on the throne. Or maybe you have multiple thrones. You know, maybe you say, uh, God, you can have this and this, but I want these because these are the only ways I'm going to have peace of mind. I, I, want, I want control over my finances, Lord. You can have this, this, and this. I want control over my work, but Lord, you can have this, this, and this. Just simply not willing to hand over the throne. And the reason is, I think a lot of times, because it requires us humbling ourselves realizing that we can't do it. We make terrible saviors. We make terrible kings. But we want to just simply have that power. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. It says, in every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne until he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but instead we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us. No dethronement, no dying. We remain king within the little kingdom of man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of Caesar, but we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness and spiritual sterility. I don't know about you guys, but that is incredibly convicting to me. The fact that we think that we own this throne And what it's saying is that ultimately, by us doing this, we aren't going to grow to the person that God wants us to be, that God has called us to. We we refuse to hand over the throne, and instead we accept this little kingdom instead of this abundant kingdom that God has. The next reason um, would be that, you know, maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, "I I just simply haven't seen God's sovereignty in my life. Um, I would beg to differ and because his sovereignty in your life was seen before you were even born. Um, so let's go to Psalm 139. You don't have to flip there, but it'll be on the screen. Psalm 139, 13 through 15. It says, for you created my inmost being. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. God's sovereignty has been seen before you were even born. You, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I'm just me. Like, why would God, you know, want that in my life? You're not too insignificant. You're not forgotten. And you're not overlooked. God loves you and he cares for you deeply. And God wants that spot on the throne in your life because he loves you and cares for you deeply. And we talk about the, how big our God is. But man, it's just so comforting to know that the, as big as God is, that he loves me. He loves you deeply. So much to the point that he knit your, you together in your mother's womb. And so, I would say this this morning. Um, these are some of the reasons, but there's a, an abundance of other reasons that maybe we we don't rest in his sovereignty in our lives or we are unwilling to hand over his throne. But I, I want to kind of give you some implications of what it looks like to rest in his sovereignty in our every day. From our scripture this morning, it says, for the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. I'm gonna reiterate what I said earlier. Hannah was able to pray this because she had a conviction and the understanding of God's sovereignty in her life. When she says, for the foundation of the earth are the Lord's, on them he has set the world, she understands that God is the creator of the world. That God puts everything in its place. When she says, he will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. She knew that God would be the one that would bring about promotion and judgment. It wasn't her place to condemn or judge Peninnah the one who teased her and tormented her constantly for her barrenness. She knew that her barrenness was her enemy. In her own strength, she wasn't able to overcome that, but it was God's strength, God's will, God's sovereignty that was able to overcome that. And she knew that God would be the one to exalt the horn of his anointed, that he would take into his hands the exaltation, the horn of his anointed. That through his will, a a young boy would be born that would change the world entirely. So what does this mean for us? Pastor talked about this a little bit a couple weeks back. Um, For our implication, we know that when God is sovereign and we rest in that, when we give him total authority, when we allow him on the throne of our hearts, in our lives, we know that he is control, in control. We can eliminate worry. I tend to be a little bit of a worry wart, and so I know that's something that the Lord like, really like, has, has spoken to me a lot in. But resting in his sovereignty 
is something that allows us to eliminate worry. He will protect you. He guards the feet of his faithful ones. He will bring about promotion and judgment. This is the one that I feel like may hit a lot for a lot of people because how many of us spend our time just striving and just working way too hard for something that we have no control over or something that hasn't come? It's not in our efforts that bring about promotion. Maybe temporarily, but when we're just talking about the overall picture, the Lord is the one that brings about promotion. Again, we can look at the story that of, of just Hannah, um, you know, the humble being exalted. She cried out. She was in anguish, and she cried out to the Father, Lord, give me a child, and I will give him to you. She was barren. She became the mother of a king, David. David, or not, she wasn't the mother of David. I apologize. Samuel, who would then aid in the uh, appointing of David. Um, but then you look at David. He was a shepherd, <laughs> and he became the king. Like these, God uses the humble. He uses those who are allowed, are, are allow themselves to humble themselves before the Lord. He brings about that promotion. God will mature us. I love this, this Piper quote. It says, embracing God's sovereignty is not natural. It is an act of submission, a denial of self, a willingness to give God back his crown. Yet in so doing, mankind is made most like its creator. Submitting to his sovereign plan and purpose, one that is unstoppable in turning independent men and women into slaves of righteousness who find their greatest freedom and servile obedience to the King of glory, the Lord of grace and truth. That as we allow God to take that place on our thrones, he will mature us. He will make us most like him. That as we submit to him, the Lord brings about this, this glory in us um, that Really, it shows his glory. It allows his glory to be known. It makes us most like him. And isn't that our, 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 our desire, the longing of our heart, to be like Jesus, to be like our Father? And we know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the worship team come up here as we close out, that the past promises that have been answered mean that we can rest in his future promises. We are so glad that you were able to listen in to the Sermon Audio Podcast. For more information about our church and all that is happening, visit journeychurchtampa.com 